two to Claymore Torres. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Shea Station podcast. Today is July 28th and the Mets are two wins fatter thanks to the help of the New York Yankees who they took two of two games from at City Field in the first set of the Subway Series. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jolly Olive, aka Jack. Joining me as always is my guy from Ohio, Jerry Blevins. Jerry, those were two absolutely electric games. Two great games. Um, the atmosphere in City Field, you could feel it coming across. Um, on Even last night on the ESPN broadcast, you could really hear the atmosphere, man. It was awesome. Those are always fun for players. You know, you try to talk it down, uh, but it really does bring an extra energy uh, because, you know, you feel it for your fans. These are just one game. You also want to show that you're competitive against the right. Yankees who have been the best team in baseball basically all year. Um, but you want your fans to have those bragging rights when they see the Yankees walking down the street, uh, a guy with a Yankees hat on or a girl with a judge Jersey to be able to be like, guess what? You're on two against my, my Mets. So <laughs> guess what? Feel Mets good, feel good about York. yourself. Yeah. I mean, Yankees fans like to clown on Mets fans saying that this is their world series, but I mean, even the players were saying this felt like a playoff environment. Matt Carpenter said to Pete Alonzo on first base, Hey, I would love if this was a world series matchup. Pete said the same thing. I thought that was really cool. So I think as long as the players are into it, be as into it as you want to be. And it really felt like it because both crowds were sold out and loud as hell with Mets and Yankees fans. Uh, uh, just in a really exciting two days. I kind of wish it was a three-game set. I, I had it explained to me how the schedule works this year, and I really don't care because I wanted to see matter. six games. I wanted to see it. You talked about it, about the um, the series where we used to do four in a row, two at our place, two at yeah. their place, or vice versa. That is so much fun because yeah. you get to stay at home, but you go on the road. Like, it's still cool. Uh, but again, this this the way they had to compact all the schedule, we get some weird you know, things, but it was nice. A little two run set sandwiched in between a couple of off days. Yep. Um, nice because we got some, some bullpen performances that could use a day of rest for Edwin Diaz. He's going to get another day of rest. Um, but uh, it was great. Also, I just want to quiz you. What episode is this? Mr. Jolly Olive. This is number 85. Of <laughs> Station. 85. And on the Do you have something special planned for episode 100? I feel like we got, these? I feel like it might, I, I have to do the math. Cause I know we do like two week. It might coincide with like October. So there Ooh. might be something special happening we'll, there. We'll, anyway, we'll, we'll start to map it out. We'll by discuss. we, I mean you and we by you, I mean, you know, you and Audio Jack, maybe. Yeah, of course. Of course. You're, you're the engine that runs this ship. Guys, get excited. That's all I'll say. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do something fun. It, it's special. Um, I just feel like, you know, you used to be like, we're in episode number 71. <laughs> and, I, and you just said, I forgot series. it today. So I like, That's, That's my, my guy right there. All right, guys, we're going to get into these game recaps. A ton of great performances by the Mets and Yankees. But first, I got to tell you about our sponsor for today's episode, which is Bear Burger. If you are in New York, this is the place to be. Joe's McFly recently dropped in for his vlog there. He loved it. I loved it. And you will love it, too. They're a burger joint, but they're not bogged down by labels. Their menu is filled with options for everyone, regardless of dietary preferences, whether you're 100% vegan 
or I'm not going to say that part because they always want me to say it. Ketchup is a vegetable. I don't agree. Bear <laughs> Burger, there's only one dietary restriction you'll be limited to. Food that's made to taste great. Just got to remind you guys of their events that go on every week. Their kitchen and bar happy hour is the best in New York City, 12 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. They got their exotic burgers. You know about them by now. The, bear bur- the bar bites at Bear Burger Kitchen. That's a tough thing to say. Try saying that five times fast. All food items are $9.95 Monday through Friday, 4 to 7 p.m. And they have their lunch special, kitchen and bar, 12 to 4 p.m. PM Monday through Friday, $14.95 for all meals, all served with fries as well. Plenty of great deals. They're dying to get you in there. So click the link in the description to find yourself at your new favorite happy hour spot, burger joint and luncheon at marketing.bearburger.com. Go check out Bear Burger. It's the most hopping joint in New York and they got great stuff. And uh, I think you guys really enjoy it. But I think what we'll enjoy more is this game one recap because game Let's get into it. Started with a bang. Game one of the Subway series. Taiwan Walker toes the slab for the Mets and the Yankees pounce on Walker in shocking fashion after he gets DJ LeMahieu out. Aaron Judge works a good count and hits a homer to right center, trots around the bases, and then the first pitch thrown to Anthony Rizzo, he hits that the opposite way to left center. Back-to-back solo home runs make it 2-0 Yankees in a flash. Taiwan Walker had allowed two home runs in his last 80 and two-thirds innings prior to this single inning where the Yankees go back-to-back on him, just to go, just to show you how well he's controlled the ball in the park this year. So they're down 2-0 early. Yankees fans are already talking, and then the Mets answer back in huge fashion. Starling Marte cranks his 10th home run of the year, a screaming line drive down the line to cut the lead in half 2-1, and then Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso smack back-to-back doubles off Jordan Montgomery. Alonso regains that MLB RBI lead that Aaron Judge had for about five seconds, so he jumps ahead of him there. And then Eduardo Escobar from the right side. We've been seeing righty Escobar a lot, and it's been really working. He punches a two-run shot to the right side, or to the left side, excuse me, to give the Mets a 4-2 lead. They jump all over Jordan Montgomery, who They've kind of had their, his number for quite a while now. And then starting Marte doubles, uh, Josh Donaldson's throwing error in the following inning allows uh, him to score on Lindor's grounder. So that makes it five to two Mets. And then Taiwan Walker was in and out of jams this entire night and what would end up being a quality start. He escapes with two runners on in the second after he picks off Isaiah Kiner Falefa at first base and gets a sharp lineup from Jose Trevino. Kiner Falefa said that that was the best pickoff move he had ever seen in his career, so a little bit of kudos there, like that. Uh, he worked around multiple runners in the third, too, uh, gets the Matt Carpenter strikeout, who was kind of quiet this series, which I enjoyed because he was red hot coming into it. Then the Yankees leave him loaded in the fourth inning. They get an RBI fielder's choice, and then Rizzo, after a four-pitch walk to Judge, swings 3-0 and flies out to the deepest part of the ballpark basically in center field at the wall to Brandon Nimmo. Tywin Walker escapes that and then he gets his final seven batters in order. So he gets six innings, three earned runs, seven hits, one walk, three strikeouts, 101 pitches. He leaves with a quality outing after all of that. The Mets were able to knock out Monty early, but they're stymied by the Yankees' bullpen. Ron Marinaccio looked pretty good. Uh, Jonathan Lewisega, Aroldis Chapman, they all had scoreless innings there. Uh, the big part of this game for me was our bullpen, specifically Adam Adovino. We didn't really know how we were going to bridge the gap from Taiwan Walker to Edwin Diaz because we knew that was always the plan. It ends up being Adam Adovino, who's on two days rest, and he comes up and he gets five huge outs against his former team that traded him to their rival, 
crazy story there uh, with two on and one out. Uh, the Mets catch Rizzo stealing second on a double steal. Really good awareness by Tomas Nito, knowing that he wouldn't get Aaron Judge at third. He decides to go to second, gets Rizzo stealing there. And then Adovino gets the Glaber Torres pop out to escape the seventh. Uh, he gets the uh, first two outs of the eighth and walks the final batter. So he's out of there. Uh, he lowers the season ERA to 2.35. He has a 0.94 ERA in his past 28 games. Otto has been absolutely special for the Mets, really filling in that eighth inning void that we've kind of needed to fill all season long. Uh, Jeff McNeil adds a valuable insurance run with an eighth inning RBI off Albert Abreu. That was an 0 for 19 slump. He was mired in a huge run for the Mets that puts them up six to three. Uh, after that initial Ottavino uh, walk, Edwin Diaz was brought in and Joey Gallo was brought in. Kind of the weirdest matchup you'll see of this series. High strikeout percentage versus high strikeout percentage. Can you guess how it ended? And then in a strikeout, Diaz ends the eighth inning with that, takes him only four pitches, and then he comes back on for the ninth, gets the first strikeout, uh, lets a runner on, and then gets a double play ball right in front of the mound from Aaron Judge, and it just slips right out of his grip. Uh, slips out of his hand, and I like to think that uh, maybe he wanted to get more strikeouts because he follows that up by striking out Aaron Rizzo, uh, Anthony Rizzo, excuse me, and Glaber Torres on seven pitches to end the game. Uh, Diaz gets the four-out save. The Mets bridge the order with Ottavino and Diaz. Uh, the top of the order shows up. Uh, Marte, Lindor, and Alonso go seven for ten with five runs, two RBI, three doubles, and a homer. And the Mets pitching holds the Yankees to 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position, and they strand 10 runners total. It was an absolute electric environment and the Mets take game one six to three nicely done sir um couple of things number one Taiwan Walker after allowing those two home runs in the first uh it felt like oh shit yeah like this is gonna get bad this is ugly you're feeling like the Yankees you know the Bronx bombers are gonna come the baby bombers or whatever they're calling they're not babies (laughs) they're all old guys but uh he bounced back man and he did Excellent. This is, again, I'm going to say it again. This is Taiwan Walker at his best. Mm-hmm. He came out of the all-star break and we were like, oh, he's going to allow home runs again. Uh, but no, he settles in. He still looks sharp. Uh, this is a good team, man. And he had that pickoff move working really well. That was huge. He's had it all season, man. He's done a really good job of holding runners. He does something we haven't seen in a long time from a righty and hold runners and, and make that a part of his game. Uh, he looked great. Adovino, huge, huge. That that Nito uh, caught stealing of Rizzo, uh, also huge. Uh, but man, how about Edwin Diaz? Oh man, that was <sighs> special. Like he came off, and that ball popped out in such a weird. I know. Oh, you know, it felt like a Tom Brady, you know, arm moving forward. Was that a fumble? The tuck rule. Uh, because it popped out, <laughs> you know, usually it's when it goes back, but he was moving forward. Very weird, but he, uh, he gets huge punch outs. He's nasty. Uh, huge, huge outs. Um, just an awesome, awesome job. So. Yeah, I think um, the Edwin Diaz thing was weird because when they showed it on like that slow-mo high definition replay, it looks like he has a pretty good grip on it. And then it just whittles out that's that's what i thought but uh sometimes it happens man it's weird and i definitely agree that i thought this was going to be a high scoring affair in the first i mean they went four to two in the first inning and then the rest of the game was kind of quiet but i think the crowd was just so amped up that it didn't matter Uh, and there were plenty of scoring situations but i think uh, both sides were able to just you know weasel their way out of it i still can't believe tom and walker got six innings three and runs out of this that was extremely impressive because uh, this pitch count was pretty high entering the fifth. He kind of needed exactly what he got. Six up, six down. 
uh, to get through those six. And I don't know what the Mets uh, would have done with their bullpen to go five and six there, but I th- I'm glad that that's something they didn't have to worry about. That's the truth. I, I wasn't, I was just like watching Taiwan, making sure that he, he just looked really good, man. He, he did, he settled in and, and pitched really well. So uh, that moves us to game number two, Mad Max Scherzer versus Sunday German, Mr. Domingo Herman. Uh, both starters got to a really fast start, one, two, three, one, two, three. Uh, but in the second, the Peter on the heater strokes a homer. Like uh, that. Puts the Mets up one nothing. Pete Alonso doing his thing, number 26 on the season. Um, Scherzer continued to cruise. He allowed a couple of singles in the third, but he gets a huge punch out of Aaron Judge to end the threat. Uh, Tomas Nito in the bottom of the third leads off the game or leads off the inning with a ringing line drive double. Uh, but Lindor picks up his teammates uh, with a big two-out, two-strike RBI single to bring home Nito. That puts the Mets up two to nothing in the third. Uh, Scherzer starts doing his thing. Uh, in the top of the fifth, though, Josh Donaldson absolutely laces a ball off the top of the wall in right center field gap. Uh, but he gets a couple of strikeouts, followed by a walk. Um, DJ LeMayhew lines out, who had just an amazing series, looked good all series long, LeMayhew. But he gets a gets out of it in the top of the fifth. That moves us to the bottom of the fifth. Uh, Armand doesn't quite get through the fifth. He only allows those two runs, goes four and two-thirds. Um, but the Mets leave two runners on to let him escape. And it's still 2 nothing. That brings us to the top of the seventh. Uh, IKF starts to get the inning off of the double. Uh, but once again, Max Scherzer steps up, gets a couple of big outs, and, and Aaron Judge in a huge strikeout situation to end his outing to go seven shut. Uh, just a huge electric moment. Him high-fiving the guys through there you're just like i want to tell you good job in the in the dugout but i also don't want to hurt myself or you to hurt me so it was a very aggressive high five from mad max uh, but a good outing man he dominated looking great uh through seven uh that brings us to the top of the eighth where in steps david peterson in an interesting idea when you're up two to nothing to bring in a starter all season i wasn't sure about it and it didn't pay off because he walked Anthony Rizzo, it went left, right, left. Uh, that was the big idea. But he walks Anthony Rizzo on four straight, and then on his fifth pitch, uh, he allows Glaber Torres to go oppo tie ball game just like that, five pitches into the eighth inning, uh, and we're tied. Uh, he does get Matt Carpenter on a big punch out, but in steps Seth Lugo, who pumps, punches out the next two hitters. Um that brings in the bottom of the eighth with Pete Alonso leading off. Aaron Boone and the Yankees do the smart thing and bring in Clay Holmes, their best reliever, their closer. Um, and Alonso and company don't get a run in, but what they do do is very Met stuff. And they, you know, it's it's Alonso, it's Canna, it's McNeil, uh, Vogelback, all make Clay Holmes work. He wasn't wild. He was really close to the zone, but they made him throw 21 pitches. So Clay Holmes gets a clean eighth, but he throws enough pitches to where he can't go in the ninth. Well, in the top of the ninth, Lugo continues his dominance. He allowed uh, a single to DJ LeMahieu, who we talked about, but gets judged to end the top of the ninth. He gets five huge outs in what was probably his best and biggest outing of the year. Uh, it's still two to two. And the bottom of the ninth, here we go. This is where it happens because of Clay Holmes not being able to, to 
be efficient in the eighth. He's out. Wandy Peralta is in. He's a lefty. We get right-handed Ed- Eduardo Escobar. What's he do? He pops a double to start. Uh, you get a runner in scoring position to start the bottom of the ninth. It's feeling good. Nito bunts him over. Nemo, uh, with a runner on third and one out, has a swinging bunt that scoots away. Nemo always hustling. Beats the uh, hesitant throw from Wandy Peralta for an infield single. That's first and third, one out, in-step Starling Marte. And we get a Marte Parte hey. as he slaps a single, scoring uh, Escobar. And the Mets win three to two. Every single player, starting position player in the lineup, except McNeil, recorded at least one hit. Big outing from Max Scherzer, Seth Lugo. Um, just looking great. Sorry about your day, Peterson, but the offense looked solid. They came up clutch. Defense was great behind them. A big two-game sweep. I don't know sweep is the strong word, but they definitely win both games of two-game series. Uh, and it was a good win because, you know, we kind of needed that. We didn't have Diaz, but Lugo stepped up. Awesome game. Good job by Marte. Just a great performance overall. The Mets kind of dominated except for that one inning. Um, and it still wasn't enough because the Mets win. I liked what somebody uh, told me on Twitter. They said instead of a sweep, we can call it a dusting. And I was like, oh, a a dusting. dusting. Like, you All know, right. Not like a duster out. Like That's a pretty dusting. funny. I, I like, like that, that as well. I think I might steal that. Um, That's a funny one. Lots of takeaways from this game. One, I fully agree that this was Seth Lugo's best appearance of the year by far. I was really nervous to bring him in for the eighth. I kind of, I'm not going to lie. It didn't work out. I kind of liked the Peterson idea in the eighth, put him in, you know, baptism by fire see if he can do it he obviously couldn't which was unfortunate and then they brought lugo in anyway and he looked fantastic the best he had all season so i was wrong there for sure um max scherzer was an animal an absolute freak on his birthday um that was a real joy to see um what else we got here it was his birthday it was his birthday and he's like historically very good on his birthday so no surprise there for seven shutout innings by him um Righty Escobar just looks so much better than lefty Escobar. I don't know if something's clicked recently or if that's always been a thing. I'll have to look at the splits, but I think that that might need to be a plan going forward because I feel like he just looks more confident there. Um, It looks like his stroke is just better. He took a really good swing against Wandy Peralta, and I loved what you said about the Clay Holmes inning because I feel like that's something we're not really talking about. Clay Holmes has gone to plenty of times this season. He could have easily gotten a six-out you know, hold there or whatever you want to call it. Instead, they have to bring in Wandy, uh, which normally would have been a spot for Michael King probably, um, and that's a much tougher inning for the Mets, so they kind of get a break there. Um, but yeah, all around a great win. I think the Mets were in control for most of it. And uh, I kind I kind of wish they got more off Domingo Herman, but a win's a win. Yeah, man. Uh, Lugo pumping ninety seven. Yeah, like, threw throwing ninety two little cutters. His curveball wasn't quite as consistent, but it was good enough. Like he, he had a couple out good Donaldson ones. on kind yeah. of a backup. Um, and then he had, he had it working enough. It was still nasty. He looked great. Uh, again, you're right. The the Vogelback doing what he does. Uh, you made some notes that he's been on base five out of eight at bats. Yeah, he's already just being productive, getting on I base, he fitting faced, in the Mets formula. He walked on six pitches, didn't swing the bat. They were all close pitches, but he does that. That's that's not uh, non typical from him. I remember facing him once in I think it was like 2019 spring training. Uh, and I faced him. I threw like six pitches. He didn't swing. I walked him. And I was like, 
he looks like a free swinger, like no offense, <laughs> body type, but he's, he's patient. He's, he's that kind of guy. He's a Nimmo type. Um, that was huge because we, they had him and Canna batting back to back. Like that's gnarly. That's annoying for your pitcher. For that's sure. annoying. That, is... that worked out well for Clay Holmes. I mean, yeah, yeah, because you know Holmes was all around the zone, and normally you get guys that are like looking for you know because they know how good Clay Holmes is, and he was nasty by the yeah. way. Yeah, <laughs> that's that sinker is filth. Um, but they spit on it, made him work. That is a veteran approach. It really won him the game because they got to get Peralta in the game instead of Clay Holmes going too, which I'm sure that he would have gone to uh, yeah. not have to throw 21, but that was great, man. Both uh, these games were just kind of like chess matches and like, we're kind of one on moments a little bit. And mm-hmm. uh, I really loved the, uh, that you pointed out, like the great at bats between Vogie and Canada to just make Holmes work. Um, you mentioned that Vogie is very Nimmo esque. I'm not sure what's going on with our guy Nimmo. Uh, yeah. I don't that last at bat in the ninth really had me worried swinging first pitch at a pitch on his wrists. And he also you know, he had a 2 0 swing on a, a 2 0 curveball that he rolled over. That is not a normal that's not Brandon. A 2 0 curveball is usually thrown to get like a all right, get me over strike. Yeah, he's looking for a pitch like to drive because it's 2 0. He's not going to hit swinging a curveball, but he rolled it over. It's probably coming out of the second half, just kind of pushing a little bit he'll probably settle in. He does his thing. He hasn't, you know, he really hasn't found his stride and he's still, what's his OPS plus because it's still good. Um, but his on base is like one of the lowest marks of his career here. I'll pull it up really quick. I I bet I bet 346 on base. What's that? 346. His OPS plus plus is 118. Yeah. I mean, he's 18% better than league average. He's still like is searching for how to, drive the ball, look to drive the ball, but also keep his identity, which he's still figuring out completely. And to be 18% above league average while also figuring that out is pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm not worried about him. I would like to see him be a little bit more patient, especially in those counts where you don't have to swing. So I think yeah. it'll come. I think it's he. he's really smart and he's really uh, intelligent about how he approaches the game and his research. So I, I'm not worried about him, but um he's got another level to go so yeah that uh that obp is 40 points below his career average of 386 uh we mentioned righty escobar before i looked up those splits a 590 ops as a left-handed batter and 835 ops as a right-handed batter so there is is that career-wise too is he this season i know but is he no, career-wise, he's much better as a as a lefty. So I think he's just kind of having a, a rough season. I'll pull up the numbers there as so, well. Sometimes that can carry over too. Sometimes yeah. when you get hot from one side, that confidence could carry over where you're batting left-handed, um, and it just feels right. But yeah, I mean, as a lefty in his career, seven twenty, and then as a righty, seven eighty-two. So it's much closer. But it he's is still, closer. But yeah. he's definitely a, a more of a power hitter from the right side. But he's for sure. I mean, seven twenty from the left which you're going to face a lot more right-handers. Um, but yeah, you look good, man. 
everybody looked pretty good this series. We so we are we were preaching bullpen help last episode, and then Seth Lugo and Adam Montavino kind of shut us up a little bit. Speaking of everybody looked good, we have some major candidates for the Ooh. apple of our eye. And before I tell you who my apple is, I gotta tell you who it's brought to you by, and that is Greg Morris Cards. Thank you to them for sponsoring today's episode of Shea Station. Run GMC doing his thing. Yes, sir. They invented that actually. They have a trademark. The most trusted sports card seller on the planet. They they sell over 80,000 sports cards every month, which is over 2,000 a day. You knew that off the top of the dome? That's crazy. It's all exclusively on eBay. They sell baseball cards from every era, pre-war, post-war, future war, modern, all the ones that you can think of in your brain. You can go get yourself a Seth Lugo card today because the value is skyrocketing. Why do people trust GMC for buying cards? Well, his team hand grades every card that they sell. Buyers have been trusting Greg's grades for years. If Greg says the card is mint, you know the card is mint. Go to gregmorescards.com uh, to see their inventory, and they want to give you $10 in free cards just for hearing about them from John Blaine Media. So go to their website, find the cards you want, and if you win the eBay auction, message them with the code JOMBOY to get $10 off your order. That's gregmorescards.com. Thank you to them for sponsoring today's Apple of Our Eye. Yay. I'm, you're going first this time. I'm going first? You're going first because they're, I'll let you go. You go. Ah, oh, there's so many good choices though. All right, so uh, you know what? I am gonna go with uh the easy one because you took the easy one last time and he's kind of been the easy one for a couple episodes now. I'm taking Pete Alonzo. Um I haven't taken Pete in a while because I've been kind of a contrarian a little bit, trying to give other guys some love. Uh but Pete, you know, when he goes, everybody else goes. And he was working this series. I really loved this stat that my friend Tyler Gallo posted on Twitter. Pete Alonzo on ESPN broadcasted games this season, which is five of them. He has a 437 batting average, three home runs, eight RBI, and a 1.125 slugging percentage. And they are 5-0 and on primetime ESPN games now. And that's mostly because of Pete Alonzo. He had a great two-game set, four for six, a double, a homer, two runs, two RBI, two walks. He was doing everything. When hit when pitchers were trying to attack him low in the zone, he would just line him right in the center and right center field for singles. Pete is taking hits where you can get them, really managing good at bats, spitting on bad breaking balls. He looks like the most complete hitter I've seen him be so far. Uh, and I think that he's finally heating up again. We saw him get a little cold in the Cubs series in the beginning of the Padres series. Then he had that big three hit game in game two that they lost three singles, but that was still very encouraging. And then exploded in the final game with that big home run and that big double. I think Pete is back. I think he's due for a very good August because that's the way it's looking. And uh, it could not be a better time for him to get hot because we need these wins. Uh, so Pete Alonzo, it's the apple of my eye. Love it. Peter on a heater. Can you say so, that? That should be a shirt, by the way. Peter on a Peter heater. on a heater. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> I like it. Oh, uh, yeah, man. So deserving. Clutch. Huge. Super clutch. Getting us on the board in the in the second game right off the bat. Like it's so nice. Right off the bat. Off yeah. the bat. Oh, and now you my know God. That that's another You're all baseball, over the place. Baseball reference in the you world. You just woke up on a creative Peter itch. On a heater. Writing that's it my down. guy. Uh, so there's so many people I want to acknowledge. You did a great job in the notes. Marte, huge game. Four for nine, two runs, a double, a homer, two RBI. Um, electric. Uh, Lindor, three for seven, two runs, a double, an RBI, a walk. Awesome. Uh, Escobar, that that huge double. He had a huge homer in the first game. That that 
the winning run in the bottom of the ninth off that leadoff double, two runs scored, two RBI, incredible. Max Scherzer, seven shutout in the second game, incredible. But yes, my guy, my guy, Edwin Diaz, the back of the bullpen, four out save, huge. One and a third innings pitched, one hit, which was kind of a hit. I'm not going to call it a hit, but it's a hit. No walks, four punchies on all four outs. Huge save. Edwin Diaz, sugar, my man, the apple of my eye. I think we can definitively say that we have the best closer in baseball. I do I do think the best closers in baseball were in this series, Edwin Diaz and Clay Holmes. And uh, they both were scoreless, but I think that, you know, we put up a much better fight against Clay Holmes and Edwin Diaz looked utterly dominant. Um, I had said that when he dropped that double play ball, the fear didn't creep up on me because I knew it was coming. And it was seven pitches and two Ks against two really good hitters and Anthony Rizzo and Glaber Torres. Um, we really handled Aaron Judge this series too. Scherzer, I want to give him some love. He struck him out three times, which is crazy. Um, just the second pitcher all season to do that to him. Stalling Marte was all over the place this series, but Edwin Diaz uh, definitely deserving of an apple here because he just looked so, so good. What a story Edwin Diaz is. What a story. <laughs> it's beautiful. They Poetry were kind of, uh, yeah, he was, he's special, man. And he's, it's so, it's, it's like a security blanket back there. You know, you're all warm and toasty because you're just like, okay, I can go ahead and, close my eyes if need be because he's going to take care of me he's going to pet me while i'm trying to sleep <laughs> he's going to caress me he's i love me it feel safe i mean when's the last time you gave up a run don't no don't do this i'm gonna i'm gonna look do it this up. Don't, don't do it you I'm can not, look at it don't say I, it. I won't say it i won't say yeah it. you can look at it's it. been it's been a while it's been a long time since good yeah no 1.55 era yeah a dominance Crazy. dominance Four we're witnessing punchies. i think we're witnessing the best closer season in mets history i think we might be I can't possible. think of a better a lot of, lot of season left, but I do believe ones. in Edwin Diaz. And I've been saying it for a while and has have you that he's the best closer in the game right now. Yeah. He was no top easy top five going into the season. We talked about in our PPPs, we needed him to step up. Uh, we've been singing his praises all season long and he's done nothing but be better than we, uh, we anticipated Just his ability to, to him and Taiwan Walker have been the two stories for me. Because they both have elevated their games based off of experience. They're, there's electric stuff, but they've been able to do in-game adjustments and reading swings. It's it's awesome to watch, man. It's it's Edwin Diaz is the the perfect combination of just electric stuff, and now he's also a pitcher, which is awesome. So I love it. And I know it's more of an off-season discussion, um, but you know. Edwin Diaz is a free agent. Lock that, him up. That qualifying offer up. is back. Just saying. It's back. So. Lock him up. That's what that chant's all about, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's up. no other meaning, actually. I've actually never heard that before. So it's pretty <laughs> interesting. Uh, the Mets, who just won two in a row against the best team in baseball, are also getting reinforcements back soon. The Mets expect to have Trevor May back next Tuesday, potentially. Oh, that's so cool. I know. Another eighth inning guy, potentially. He's going to pitch Friday through Sunday for AAA Syracuse. 
James McCann, who strained his oblique, is uh, way ahead of schedule, about two weeks ahead of schedule. He's starting his rehab assignment today, Thursday. And then the big one, of course, is Jacob deGrom, who's penciled in to return as early as next week for the set against the Nationals, potentially the game that I'm going to that you had to call out of, which is a bummer, and I feel bad for I know, for you. I know. I gotta... I, know. I can't make it. We got some things, but... That is really special. Um, I don't want to speculate that he's going to be in, you know, you because know. there's a million different scenarios. There's no rush for Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. I don't want him any, I don't want him to push to, to be here, to be in the big leagues again. Um, he threw only four innings for AAA. Right. You know, so I would like him to get up to six innings. We'll see. But, you know, Whatever the case may be, they're they're taking it slowly. I'm sure um, they're watching it even more closely than than we are. But I, I, I'm excited, man. I, I haven't seen him pitch in a big league game in over a year, and that is yeah. far too long. So far too long. Yeah, he threw uh, 67 pitches at AAA. He did give up four runs. So if you're having a meltdown over that, he still feels good. That's Two what hits he said after the game. Three walks. The walks are the the yeah. the rust. So he's knocking the the rust out. Yeah, um, Buck's uh, non-committal quote was, "We hope his next outing is with us, and we will see." So, a lot of different reports from Mets beat writers. Dacomo, who I think is probably the most verifiable one, said potentially August second. So, we'll see. Don't put all your stock into that, but also, you know, don't get not excited because it's Jacob don't, Degrom. Don't get not excited. Come on, uh, I wouldn't be able to go to those games anyway. I'll be in New York for the first, second, and third because I'll be doing pre and post. So I'm dodging you again. This is unbelievable. Well, you do it on. You yeah. do it on purpose. You go on vacations. You go That's on vacations when I show up in the city. Yeah, I plan my schedule. Uh, a little bit of weirdness here. though. I will be doing. I'm leaving today to go to Chicago for three days. I'm going to be in the booth, in the TV booth for the Whoa. A's doing the Red Sox. Look at you, uh, which I'm excited about. This is my first go round. Jerry, uh, so I'll be Mexican. doing that, and then I'll be three days in New York, um, and then I got to come home right after the game. But uh, yeah. Media extraordinaire, times. Jerry Blevins? Yeah, I know, man. I can do it all. Don't worry about it. I'm like, you know, I'm the Seth Lugo of <laughs> TV, broadcasting. radio, podcast, pregame, postgame. What else is there? God damn. I Am mean, I there's gonna nothing Am I going to start else. making YouTube videos? I mean, you might have. Oh, I don't need more compensation, actually. So why don't you do, stay in your lane? All right? Stay in your lane. Oh, that's a valid point. I don't have time <laughs> for that anyway. Tell uh, me who is going against each other in the final set of July, please. This is it. This is a three-game set against the Miami Marlins. They mm. might be a little bit different than you may remember because yeah. they are dealing with a lot of injuries. Let me go on them. So no jazz. Uh, kind of like you know the basketball team that used to be in New Orleans. There's hey. jazz down there, but now they're in Utah. Who knows? He's on the 60-day dealing with a lower back stress fracture. Uh, looks likely that Garrett Cooper got hit on the wrist. He's on the 10 day. He will not be there. Uh, no Jorge Soler, no Brian Anderson, possibly no Met killer, John birdie. Cause he's on the 10 day. It was retro retroactive. Mm. Uh, he could, I think he's eligible to come off during the series, but uh, I'm not sure how likely it is. I'm sure Mets fans and the Mets players would be awesome. If he were to need a couple more days. Yeah. Um, a few more. But that brings us. To game number one, it's Chris Bassett and his 3.72 ERA. He's got a, over his last six starts and 40 and two thirds, he's got a 2.43 ERA. 2.43 ERA is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, he is battling Sandy Alcantara or Sandy Alcantara. 
Mm, if that's like what that. we're going to do here at John Boy. Uh, Bassett, <laughs> pretty good in his last six starts. Sandy, pretty good all season with a 1.81 ERA all season long. He is easily the front runner to be this NL Cy Young winner, running away with, from it, or running away with it. But guess what? Still got to face the Mets. Mm-hmm. Still got a good chance. If I'm a betting man, I bet on those Mets. Bassett versus Miami in three games uh, started all in a row, actually. Went one and two in 19 and two-thirds innings, but a 3.66 ERA. That's really good. Uh, Brian De La Cruz versus Bassett is five for seven with three doubles and a home run. Probably going to pitch a little bit differently to that guy once there's Mm. a little bit of a book on him. Uh, The Mets have hit remarkably well against Sandy. Uh, Canna two for five with a homer. Vogie two for six with a homer. Guillaume five for 12. So we'll probably see Louis and uh, Lindor in that double play combo. And McNeil will be playing left field, right field. Who knows? Because he's eight for 28 with a homer off of him. And Lindor is seven for 22 with a home run. Uh, but this is sounds like we'd crush him. Nope. Sandy versus the Mets this year. One and one, 22 innings pitch, 2.45 ERA and a 0.91 whip. We mm. put them together, sit them down. That is game one. Game two. Cookie Carrasco and it's 4.07 ERA going against Trevor Rogers and his 5.85 ERA, but he's a lefty. Jesus Aguilar, who is five for 11, Miggy Rojas, three for nine, all and with a home run off of Cookie. Cookie's been fantastic in July, though, 4 0 with a 22 and a third innings pitch and a 1.21 ERA, 20 punch outs to seven walks. That is pretty darn good, if you ask me. Trevor Rogers versus the Mets this season, the other end of that. He's 0 2 and Two starts with a nine and a third innings pitch, seven earnings, 12 hits, three walks, 12 punch outs. And uh, his last outing versus Cincinnati didn't go very well for Mr. Rogers. Three and two thirds innings pitched, six earned, eight hits, two walks, five punchies. Rough outing. I think our lineup's a little bit better than Cincy. We'll see. Mm. That is game number two. Game number three, Taiwan Walker and his 2.67 ERA. Just absolutely awesome this year. Uh, he's going against Pablo Lopez. Uh, Taiwan has recorded eight consecutive quality starts in those eight starts. He's 5-0 and with a 2-1-2 ERA and 51 innings pitched. Uh, Walker has faced Miami this season three times. He is 3-0 and in 19 and two-thirds innings pitched with a 1-8-3 ERA, 21 punches to four walks. That is a great ratio. Uh, Pablo Lopez versus the Mets this year is 1-1. One one. He is 10 and third innings pitched, seven Ernie's 10 K's two walks uh, Nimmo and Lindor have homered off of Lopez this year. Other than that, it's kind of a mixed bag, but that is our three game set versus Miami. The final series of July. As we move into the dog days of August. Well done. Lots to recap there. I feel like we've seen Chris Bassett and Sandy Alcantara face off numerous times this year. Um, lots to look forward to in this series. The Mets have had Miami's number. They're seven and four this year against them. And our last meeting was that game where they kind of gave us a gift, uh, on Keith Hernandez day a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, we got three against Miami, three against the nationals, and then that five gamer with the Braves that I keep alluding to the Mets have opened up a three game lead because our Phillies took two of three against the Braves. So good for them. 
Uh, big takeaway for me here is that uh, no Peterson uh, in the starting rotation. They're really trying to find spots to work him in. Kind of a tough deal for Peterson. He was really, really good in the rotation, but now you have a surplus. And there's Part of the world, buddy. Part of the world. You got to get in where you fit in because yeah. uh, they want him to pitch. That was a tough spot for him to go into. I actually really don't like it at all. Um, yeah. You called it a trial by fire. I think you have to earn that spot in the eighth inning to be the setup guy. Um, I would have loved to have seen Lugo come in right for that, you know, because he can go two innings. We knew it. And if he gets those big outs, uh, but again, it's easy to be, you know, a Monday morning quarterback All right. or a Domingo morning quarterback. If, nice. if you will. <laughs> very, very well done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's, no PD. Uh, Trevor Williams, I think is much better in that role. Just the swing man that goes between the rotation and bullpen. But I know that I think the plan is that they want him in the doubleheader against the Braves. They're going to want Peterson that day. So you're going to have to try and find ways to work him in, whether it's long relief or just trying to get him to do that single inning again. The Mets are keeping PD up. So he's going to be in kind of that weird limbo for a little bit. Uh, but this rotation has just been so excellent in July. They still have the best uh, rotation ERA of any team in baseball. In July, they're really hitting their stride, and they're going to potentially add DeGrom soon, so things are only going to improve for this team. Um, yeah, just lots to love. This is a beaten-up Miami team, which I didn't realize until you told me. Uh, missing John Birdie would be huge because he's torched us all season long, and uh, the big one for me is obviously game one. If you can beat Alcantara, then you can beat the Marlins, and uh, that's the biggest game to take there, I think. Yeah, and uh, he's very beatable. He had his worst outing since uh, May 6th, uh, on against Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh, he only went six innings and gave up two runs. God, that's horrible. <laughs> that's so terrible. That was the first time since May 6th that he hasn't gone at least seven innings. That's ridiculous. Uh, but he went six and gave up two runs. That is easily a quality start. The guy is unbelievable, um, but very beatable because they have to score runs. Yeah. And Chris Bassett has been great uh, recently and historically. So Jerry, uh, I like our odds, man. Do you recall my preseason pick for who the Cy Young was going to be? Uh, Sandy. It was Sandy. Ooh, looking good. Looking at two years in a row. Yeah, nice. Hopefully. We'll see. Uh, yeah, that was my little humble brag. I'm just snuck it in I there. Mean, you know. Was it humble? Yeah, it was I don't. I didn't humble. see any bit of humbleness. That's what humbleness is right there. Is that's that when you're just Yeah, it's cloud. boasting about your smartness. No, I, your I don't think that's what that, I don't I'm, think. I'm pretty definition. sure I'm right, Jerry. I'm pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely great two days, real fun episode. I think we got to get started on those Peter on the heater shirts. Those are pretty good, even though we never call them Peter. Let's but. see. Let's see if the people want them. Hit us, hit yeah, us leave up. a comment. Leave a comment under Jolly just saying Peter on a heater. Like yeah. at, at Jolly no saying Peter on a heater. I like it. Just yeah. stuff my inbox. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what that graphic shirt's going to look like. They'll have ideas. We got We got a good team over there. <laughs> they do. I'm just like... I don't know. Okay. All right. Beat the Marlins. Go to DC. Beat the Nets while I'm there specifically. Trade deadline is looming. That's the exciting part for me. We could, we could do, uh, I'm expecting for us to have to do this, like, you know, all hands on deck, spontaneous live I'm ready. conversation because we're going to get a big trade. Uh, I'm going to we'll pull a, I'm going to pull a Jerry, like a, you at the airport. I'm going to be like on the train or something going to DC. Something's going to happen. I know. We'll just do it in the 30 seconds happen. you have between yep. stations. Or at, <laughs> yeah. We'll just do 30 seconds at a time. Who do you think it's going to be shot in the dark? 
I have no idea. I'm I'm still holding out for Juan Soto, man. We have really. I don't think they're going to do it. Did you see Rizzo just bury him in the media again? No, I didn't. And we made him this historical offer. He said, no, I'm not mad at him. It's Come it's on. just business. They're doing Come fan on. service right now. And it's driving me bonkers because yeah. he's just airing out a generational player saying he's greedy. It's all about business. When literally I've sat across from that organization in an arbitration hearing and listened to them dog me. As a player over, you know, points. Silly. Yeah. So, you know, it is business. You're in the game of business. Your whole business job is to pay players as little as they can. So I don't know. I, it makes me mad. That's no, my, I get uh, it. Inner, inner union guy coming out because for the you PA. don't air that out in public if you oh. if you give a shit about the person of Juan Soto. Obviously, you don't. You're bitter. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, I hope he tell him Jerry sound off. It's go. true, man. You, you're bitter. So I'm not going to lie. Uh, when you said Rizzo, uh, for like a split second, I thought you meant Anthony Rizzo. And I was like, what beef do they have? Anthony Rizzo. That would Soto? be funny. Random beef. <laughs> Just randomly. No. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the Nats are, you know, they're kind of a mess right now. Um, and I think that, you know, Juan Soto knowing his value as one of the best players of our generation. Good for him. Whatever. Um, so hopefully he'll get to go to a contender. Who knows who it'll be? Uh, but the Yankees, right after we beat them, traded for Andrew Benintendi. So I don't know if it's still them. I don't know if that makes them out or if it's a smokescreen or whatever. But the Juan Soto sweepstakes are still underway. And I think that is what's kind of holding up this market a little bit because we haven't seen a lot of trades. We've seen two trades. Uh, we've only seen we've seen a couple, but uh, I imagine things will get heated up regardless of Juan Soto because your teams are still competing. Uh, actually, this extra playoff spot with the expanded playoffs, I was kind of against it. It's it's creating a lot of action. I'm not gonna, uh, a I'm lot of contenders, a lot of teams not knowing what to do. But if you're out of it, you're going to just dump your guys. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of people moved. I am, I'm anticipating a lot of moves. I still don't think Soto gets traded, to be honest. Uh, I just think he's it's got too two years of service left, two years of arbitration. Um, we'll see. Yeah. And, uh, we mentioned before we started the show that the Miami Marlins are probably a surprise seller here. There's six, six games under 500. They got a lot of injuries. They'll probably be selling to get better for next year, but, yeah, teams are really forming their identity in these last five days before the deadline. So things are going to get heated pretty quick, I think. Yeah, I agree. All right, man. Yeah, man. Good show. Good show. As always. Get out of here. All right. Good job. Enjoy Good your breath. off day, Mets fans. Yeah. Take a breath. Take a breath. Those were some stressful games for sure. But they were fun. We like yes, stressful. Sir. All right, guys. We will see you again Monday to recap the Mets and the Marlins and preview the Mets and the Nats. I'm going to Mets Nats in D.C., so if you're going, I'll see you there. Uh, but for Jerry, I'm Jolly. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Let's do it. See you guys soon. Alonzo to his left, flipped to the ground, and the ball game is over.